Welcome to the Strange Films Podcast, a place for filmmakers, actors, and other creatives. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on the Strange Films Podcast once again. I am joined with another special guest this week. I am joined by filmmaker, podcast host. He is a uh, musician. This is Jay Crimson. Thanks for joining me today on the show, man. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Uh, I know we originally were going to do it, uh, you know, a few weeks back. Some scheduling issues happened and no biggie. So I'm glad to have you, you know, here today and get a chance to, for people to get to know you. So um, so with that said, my audience may be not familiar with you and your work. Uh, so if you'd like to take a second here to introduce yourself and kind of just how you got started, what you're all about and everything, uh, go for it. All right. Thanks, man. Uh, I'm Jay Crimson. I'm from Michigan, Port Huron, Michigan. Uh, St. Clair County. Um, I started, well, I started listening to metal and punk music and stuff like that when I was in high school. And I seen Halloween, the first Halloween, 1978, of course, John Carpenter. And that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and uh, that and the, the metal and punk music scared me at a young age. So I instantly kind of turned that around because I knew I wanted to be a part of it all. I knew I wanted to make someone else feel the way I felt. Uh -huh. uh, so, and yeah, me being, uh, I was a big a white zombie fan. Still, I'm a big white zombie fan. Uh, Rob Zombie and stuff like that. That's kind of uh, him saying, uh, kill the man, become the monster in a Metal Edge magazine I read back in the, the 90s. And uh, I was like, okay, I see, I see. I can, I can, uh, I can mold myself into something else instead of being a pussy all the time. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so in high school, I developed this, this mindset of, Oh, I'm going to create some, some scary shit. Uh, so I instantly knew I needed to get my hands on uh, equipment, like a, a decent camera. Uh, back then in the nineties, we had a VHS camcorders. Oh yeah. And, uh, I whole I love I'm big on the whole '80s aesthetic, like uh, VHS tapes, uh, glitches, and the you know the color lines and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so I I purposely put those in my films just to give that that nostalgia, that retro '80s vibe to whatever it is. Um, yeah, and I started filming things. The first thing I ever filmed was with my bass player. Uh, Chris Stotler, we did this horrible film called Bloody Blasphemy that we never finished. That's how bad it was. <laughs> uh, and But it was our first real taste of uh, having a story progress on film. And it was it was hilarious because it was it was Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees teaming up. And it was it was horrible because they were talking and we were talking together and they don't do that. So it was just bad. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there was a cool eye gouge in there but uh yeah that was where we honed i honed the craft and tried well not that i'm a pro or anything but I, I learned how to do some cool stuff since high school and started playing music started a couple bands started no class assassins in well i didn't start it i joined in 2008 with uh guitar player Dave Kelsey and Chris Stotler joined a few months later, but we, we've all been friends since high school. So 
all in this little small town, St. Clair. <laughs> right on. Uh, yeah, so it sounds like you pretty much you grasped on to all those early inspirations right off the bat. And, yeah. you know, sure. struck, you know, found your creativity pretty early on. Uh, you know, like there's a, for me, like I, I was, I was horrified of horror film. You know, I was like scared of horror films growing up primarily, you know, it wasn't until like high school when I started getting like really curious about them. And then it wasn't until like college was I uh, started actually enjoying them and watching them and things like that. But I'm still catching up on a lot of classics and vintage horror movies that I may have missed, you know, that, that were in from the seventies and eighties and so forth. Um, but, uh, it, you know, me finding my horror lane with that began like seven years ago uh, when I started making horror films primarily and everything like that. Um, so it's definitely a culture. It, it took me a little while to kind of grasp on to find my creativity, but it sounds like you just kind of got inspired and was like, I'm going to do this right away. And uh, you've, you've had a pretty multimedia career out of it so far. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was, I never got along with my mother and I think that kind of is what my driving force was back in the day. Mm, okay yeah at least back in the high school era sure yeah so um so you started making some short films or you know some some films in high school and whatnot you started playing music and everything uh when did you kind of elevate as far as like you, you kind of gathered the skills that you, you you gathered enough skills and learned a lot of different things through filmmaking and just you know shooting stuff and whatnot what, when did it kind of take a turning point where you're like this is the next level and you're taking things more serious and aiming it in a certain direction. Um, I would say very recently, I would say, mm -hmm. uh, cause I was more focused in uh, the music aspect with the band okay. and that still is a primary focus, but I've always wanted to pursue film. So um, me starting to film these shorts, the witch and crickets in the snow after my well they call it a feature but it's it's a short film to me it's 50 minutes long green hell and the respect that is garnished by uh, the horror community um and the indie film community i have noticed a change and i've noticed a more of uh people being interested in it and that's kind of elevated me too i there's a big leap from my other films to this current one, Lilith, a Jay Crimson film that I'm working on currently. Um, it's just a, an increase. It's a boost in budget. It's a boost in equipment, props, acting, all of it. So this one will be a big difference in, you know, my collection of films that I've made thus far. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we're in a great time as far as like, the indie scene goes you know oh, or like yeah. indie horror especially it's, it seems that no matter what kind of creator you are uh we're definitely in that time where in indie projects in general are getting a lot more attention and respect and you know support and everything like that the horror community is a very very wonderful community they're very very accepting and welcoming of everyone of all skill sets you know even when you look at like bad bad movies that still has a lot of love with it you know because they're just fun or they're great to watch with other people and anything else in between but um so you kind of getting to this next transition of creativity like, as far as taking your films a little bit more serious and amping up the production and everything like that uh you're in a great time to kind of do that 
because like I've seen you popping up on some podcasts, you know, left and right and everything like that. So I know you're definitely be able to, you're, you're being accepted and welcome through the community and being able to push that stuff out a little further than maybe you could have had 10 years ago or whatever it was just because we're in that great time period right now. I really do think like indie horror right now is really booming. Terrifier 2, man. Yeah. Gotta Marine, talk about Terrifier, Terrifier 2. Yeah, I haven't actually seen it yet. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the first one, but I know, like, obviously, Terrifier 2 blew the socks off of, you know, every freaking theater and uh, people away and then uh, made uh, just a ton of money and all that. And Skin Rink is a huge example, too, because $15,000 budget ended up grossing almost a million dollars, you know, like, right away. It was just, like, it's wild to me, you know. You see all these indie, like, no-budget not no budget, but smaller budget indie projects, even like the, the mean one, you know, and, and like the Winnie the Pooh thing, like, you know, the, these kinds of things are getting more green lights than ever. And people are going out to support it and, and, and show, you know, and showing up and they're like, yeah, you know, we're, we're doing it and we're having fun and people are loving it. And I'm, that, that makes me very, very hopeful for the future of everything I'm doing and people like you and everyone else in between. So, uh, very cool. Um, Let's before we get into Lilith, because I know that's the big project you're gonna, you know, you're promoting and wanting to get people uh, to hear about. Uh, a couple films before or whatnot. What what are some films that you've made before? Uh, describe or if you, if there's a, a, are they available for people to check out or anything like that? Oh yeah. Um. So my brand is Crimson Videos. Um. Three of my short films, which are my three short films, are available on Troma now as well. Um, when I did a podcast with Lloyd Kaufman of Troma, he wanted he mentioned that he wanted to see my film, so I e- emailed his agent, and uh, he said he liked them, was interested in having them on Troma. So nice. that's how uh, they got on Troma. They're on the streaming service Troma now, right now, um, and you can check those out. Watch.troma.com. And they're on there. It's it's like four ninety nine a month. They have a lot of different movies, not just trauma movies, and a lot of non exclusive stuff on there. Um, so yeah, their first month's free, so that's cool. I um, mean, it's on Roku, Fire Stick, mm-hmm. Google Play. Um, my and my fur my three films that are on there, and they're available on YouTube as well. Uh, Green Hell, a J Crimson film. That was my first attempt at a short film, my first real attempt at something that uh, I wanted to take seriously with a group of friends. Um, filmed it 2006 to 2008, mostly 06, though, with some pickup shots in 08. Uh, released it in 2013. I kind of sat on the footage for a minute until I found and met Justin Squires of Dark Forest Media. And he does editing. He makes his own films. He uh, makes his own ambient music. So I kind of uh, got his permission to use some of that when I edited myself, The Witch and Crickets in the Snow. Uh, Justin's back with me on this new movie too, Lilith. But the three movies, the first one, Green Hell, is very 80s themed. I wanted to kind of have like a trashy, grainy cinema um, the whole VHS thing, again, is very much my thing. I don't think that's going anywhere. I think that's going to be my my niche, my thing as a director. Um, no one got paid. It was one. Of, it was a basement film, you know, which is pretty much 
you know, just killing time, killing boredom with a project. There was a lot of partying going on around that time. A lot of, a lot of mind altering substances being passed around <laughs> and shared within the group of friends and Hey, well, let's film. Why not? Uh, the acting will be spot on. <laughs> so yeah, there was a lot of improv, a lot of you know, just seeing what might look cool on camera type of stuff. I wanted to have a narrative, you know, push this uh, story of green bottle and the two punks dare to drink it. And they start seeing all the friends as like green people or zombies or cursed and have a virus or whatever. Um, and I just, it was the whole eighties vibe too, with the zombie movies. I wanted to just do it a different way. Maybe tell the story a little different, a little skewed, abstract, because that's how you feel when you're on mind-altering substances. So uh -huh. let's see if we can project that on screen. It was a, it was a boredom killer for sure. Um, the Witch uh, with Deanna Lee uh, was a silent film. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to bring back some sort of silent film aspect to like a six and a half minute movie. Um, we filmed with this horrible camera. Oh, I, I kind of did it on purpose. It was, I went, it was like Meyer. I went to Meyer and bought this camera. It was like 1999. So it can't be that good. You know, uh -huh. uh, it took like four double A batteries in this thing dropped it in the snow a bunch of times kept kept using it though and we filmed the witch with that thing uh and it started to lose some of its features on this camera after a while i was just like oh this thing's barely barely scraping by so i was like all right maybe i can get another short film out of this piece of shit so i we filmed crickets in the snow with the same camera and that i just i just wanted it to be like a a homage like a tribute to the slashers of the 80s so just a, a quick eight minute movie about a girl being stalked in her home and in the winter time uh, which is funny because i titled it crickets in the snow uh, on a whim because uh, i had done all the sound and added some spots here and there goofing around with it and then i thought it looked pretty cool thought it sounded good played it back and uh, i was like wait a minute I put crickets in the outside shots, but there wouldn't be crickets because it's winter time, bro. I'm like, <laughs> what did I do? Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Maybe he only comes around in the winter, but you know, he's coming by the crickets. So I called it crickets in the snow on a whim. And I, I just, you know, tried to explain that with the title, Yeah, <laughs> but it turned out pretty cool. Nice little thing. And, just to, I don't know, get some practice in before I release some bigger ones. And I think that's what I accomplished. Right on. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. Uh, yeah. So people can check out those on YouTube and everything on Trauma Now, especially as well. That's great that you have uh, have that accessibility on both those platforms and everything. Um, with Lilith, you're, you said that it's going to be bigger budget, production, acting, directing everything what changed how did you kind of get to that point and what are maybe a couple examples or something that you could say you're gonna you know what makes this project stand out you know more and why people should be excited about it um well the shock value 
if people thought that green hell was shocking with that sex scene uh you ain't seen nothing yet uh there's <laughs> there's gonna be um did you watch green hell at all i have not no so i no, need to I'm gonna, I'm gonna check them all out after this uh because uh yeah cool cool yeah i know things can get hectic and busy yeah and for stuff. sure it's hard for to sure. squeeze in time for shit like that um unless you're me because i'm just insane with movies um yeah i have a hard time even just like watching a movie a week you know it's just like just i got the little two-year-old running around i've got you know, I work and I'm doing strange films business all every day, every week. And just ends up once I kick back for the night, it's like, ah, let me just chill for a little bit here. And then I just end up passing out. <laughs> it's like, you uh-huh. know, so, but no, I'm going to, I've got everything listed. It's kind of like on my queue. So, but I'll check everything out for sure. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. That's life in a nutshell, man. For sure. Um, but yes, Lilith, um, it's pretty much inspired by COVID and uh, COVID. Uh, co- it, it's not about COVID. It's just uh, COVID kind of put my band No Class Assassins on hold for a little bit. So I decided to uh, take some time off to myself because I got my job that I was working at kind of screwed me over. So when I got fired, so I was like, you know what? Screw all this shit. I'm going to take some time off to myself donate plasma for bills and film a horror movie so i decided to film this movie with uh my friend mandy mahan she uh she's from port huron and uh the she's had a rough life so i kind of wanted to incorporate that in the film uh so me and her agreed that we would do some of her her life and have some of it unfold on camera but with a huge twist of course um the movie is, we put a decent amount of money into the funds. We both pitched in um, on some cool props to uh, put in certain areas and try to push the boundaries on what we can show on screen. Um, like, I'm not sure. I mean, things are, are the limits are being pushed more, uh, especially with trauma. I shouldn't have a problem. <laughs> but uh, yeah we tried to push the boundary of what you can show on screen mm. in this movie. So I think we succeeded. It's a, uh, the movie itself is about, it follows a junkie, a drug addicted prostitute uh, through the city. And uh, she's tired of her life and she decides to try her hand at witchcraft to possibly summon a deity to help her out of her life. Uh, we'll just say with disastrous results. Mm-hmm. Um, and things go a little crazy and off kilter from there. Um, but she ends up being haunted and influenced by things. And, uh, we just follow her through that rabbit hole. It's kind of like a, a more underground kind of like the, if you mixed Memento in with Alice in Wonderland mixed with, uh, there's a lot of crazy visuals in this. Um, me and Justin are making this kind of like how they made the movie Spun. You ever see Spun? I have not, no. Um, it was an indie film kind of thing where Mickey Rourke was in it too and Brittany Murphy, John Leguizamo. Okay. Um, it, was about, it was about meth. And uh, they had Jonas Ackerland, the, the director, uh, he primarily known for music videos 
but he kind of inspired me to do the whole up close things where you can see like the cocaine going right into the through the straw yeah like and stuff like that and just up close visuals and crazy trippy stuff and i have a bunch of artwork stop motion claymation some puppet work in this movie uh i went on that website fiverr oh yeah because that's where you can go and have independent artists create things for you so mm-hmm. i have a few things like that in this movie i wanted this movie lilith to be a hybrid of sorts i wanted it to be just very entertaining and visual because most independent movies you watch them you're just like okay and i, I know i'm sort of we're past that point by now we can i have a feeling you and me can sit and watch a an independent movie that doesn't have the best uh camera that they used or if the director's inexperienced you can tell on camera but if things are tweaked a certain way it could turn out wonderful and that's kind of where i'm going with this one right I wanted to add as much crazy trippy psychedelic to a horror movie as as we could and i still have about three pickup cutaway scenes to film for lilith um but we are piecing it together and editing it now. We're doing an assembly cut first and with minimal effects, but Mm -hmm. we couldn't help ourselves. We've been doing some effects with stuff on the way. And the next thing you know, five hours has went by. We're like, Oh shit, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta do other stuff. Right. Yeah. I have another life too. But, uh, I mean, again, not me, of course, (laughs) I don't have much of a life other than all this shit. So yeah, I definitely, breathe metal punk and uh horror films man mm-hmm. I'm interested about all that and that's why i started the podcast too hell yeah um before we get in the podcast i was curious about that uh the lilith how long do you think that's going to be as far as runtime goes it might just end up being my first full-length feature right on um but we're not sure yet we don't want to just throw in pointless shit in there sure um, I mean, some pointless shit is cool if it looks cool, but you know, we're trying to trim the fat cause I recorded like six hours of footage and I, I filmed it all on my phone. So this movie is entirely filmed on an Android. Oh, wow. Really? Yep. Actually. That's interesting. Here's the exact one. Dang. All right. And yep. everybody who's listening or watching right now, this is exactly some of the stuff we've talked about on this podcast plenty of times. If you're thinking about being a filmmaker, if you're interested, curious or whatever, you do not. Everyone always thinks you have to have like this giant, crazy production value level of cameras, all these different things. And we've said time after time, like all you got to do is have the drive, the the passion and go for it because you can film as simply on as your phone if you want. And you just proved to everyone that you pretty much shot almost a feature length or a feature length film on an Android, which is pretty awesome, you know? So I think that's, it's really cool that anyone you can make, you can be a filmmaker if you really want to be a filmmaker, you know, there's nothing really stopping you from, you know, besides your own excuse <laughs> to put it. Right. Away. But you know, it, it is cool to see. I love hearing stories where people are making stuff on crappy cameras or their phones or whatever that case is. And, you know, cause like you said, you can watch any film, no matter what kind of the aesthetic or story or direction it looks like, if there's that one little thing, you kind of see like that little thing that you're like, Oh, I see what they're trying to do here. It's like, 
you know, we kind of we can kind of sense that no matter what it looks like, you're like, okay, this is a film and this is the direction I see when I really like what they're doing here. But, you know, imagine if they had a bigger budget or anything like that, too. So, uh, yeah. so that's cool. That's really cool, man, that you filmed on the Android. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I was trying to think of what I would need. And uh, I was talking to Justin about it. And I was like, what do you think I should film on? And he's like, well, I have, you, you like the grainy 80s aesthetic. And I, I like the more uh, cleaned up stuff. So he's got all the good cameras and stuff like that. Um, and he's very knowledgeable about it. I'm glad I met him because without mm -hmm. Justin, I, I probably wouldn't have much of nothing at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, he's really helped me out. So Dark Forest Media all the way. For sure. He does, he does commercials and stuff too for companies. So yeah, he, he's pretty good. Cool. Um, he, we just, we've talked a lot and shared stories and he, he knows my, my aesthetic and what I want to do and stuff like that. And he's all about it. So we're having a fun time with Lilith right now. Right on. Yeah. It's really great to have some sort of support system around you, whether it's friends, family, creative collaboration, something, you know, because that will inspire you and keep you going and keep you in check with what you're trying to do. And they can understand where you're coming from with your vision. That makes it very much more accessible and easy to, see it come come to life you know so very very cool uh well that's exciting uh lilith um coming out do you think it'll be out this year maybe next year we're, we're we're hoping for this year like around halloween time okay but uh not sure i want to do it right i want to do some screenings and i want to do some trauma conventions sure. and promote it and print out some promo flyers and go let people know good deal Awesome, man. Um, so let's talk about the podcast a little bit. So you say you uh, on your podcast. What's that all about? When did you get started with that? And how's it going? So the Crimson Cult podcast uh, was primarily on Anchor and just audio. They recently renamed it, rebranded it, uh, Spotify for podcasters. So that's the name of that now. But it was just audio. I, I I'm a very bare bones, uh, raw kind of guy. So I just, I wanted it to be the aspect of someone eavesdropping on a phone call. Mm, so that's, okay. that's how I kind of did it, which is really what it is because I didn't do all of the, you know, all of the streaming service stuff that they do for podcasts. Now, um, I just record, I had an app that would record my phone calls and then I would just upload it. So that's what I did it in 2020 when I started it again because of the whole COVID bullshit. So that I started just reaching out to people that I look up to, people that I dig their stuff, um, pe creepy people like uh, a girl who survived a cult, uh, an archbishop who performed multiple exorcisms around the oh. world. Uh, yeah, plus just guitar players of bands that I like, you know, horror film directors. Um, I I actually interviewed David Howard Thornton, who played Art the Clown. He oh, was wow. hilarious. Cool. And I did that in, I think it was 2020 or, or maybe it was 2021. It was before Terrifier 2 had been released and it was done being filmed. Um, they had to be real careful on set. Everyone wore a mask, stuff mm. like that. Mm -hmm. He's like, I know we captured something special. I remember him saying that. And then, boom, 
13.4 million dollars later yeah something special baby yeah, a little something <laughs> yeah um so i was real proud of him for that and i know he was psyched about it he he knew something he, probably not to the extent but you know um deathmatch wrestlers like the guys who put each other through fire and thumbtacks mm -hmm. and barbed wire and glass and stuff like that so yeah uh Madman Pondo, I inter interviewed him. I interviewed Necro Butcher, uh, Ari Lehman, who did, who was the very first Jason Voorhees ever on camera uh, with the canoe coming out. Nice, yeah. End. Okay. Um, he is actually in Lilith. He did a he does a cameo in my movie Lilith. Um, that and Deathmatch wrestler Mickey Knuckles is in Lilith too. Right I tried on. to have a few cool people in there and uh, to help color it up, maybe get some more eyes on the project, stuff like that. So I figured he could. He was a nice guy. Talked to me about it. So I kind of have him do an ad, an ad for his band, First Jason, which is like a, <laughs> a metal band, and he uses a guitar. Oh, cool. It's pretty rad. He, yeah. he tours all over the place with that band, First Jason. Huh. And it's funny because he was the first Jason. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, he's going around Great signing hockey masks right and stuff. Oh, he's got the life right now. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much that. Um, Is the podcast still going on? Are you still active uh, getting gas and, and putting it out there? Uh, my last one was actually uh, last year or the year before. But I, I'm going to pick it up again, but I, I'm not going to do audio. I'm just going to do, uh, well, I'm not going to just do audio. I think right. I'm going to start doing like this. Yeah, and, yeah. Because um, I got one planned with Lloyd Kaufman of Troma, April 27th. Nice. And that should be fun, my first one. So I'll be returning then in a more video format. Cool. All right, good deal. Let's talk about your music, man. So you're heavily, you said metal, punk, I see... Uh, you know, posters in the background back there, man. I, I love, <laughs> I love the scene. Um, you know, talk about maybe some of your music projects. Are you still in a band? Like, what's what's going on with your music world right now? All right. Um. Well, mm, I joined No Class Assassins in late 2008. We played our first show in 2009 in January, and then boom, we just opened up for Misfits. We opened up for Guar. We opened up for uh, Goat Whore, Mushroom Head. We played at Warp Tour 2010. Um, we won an award that Ozzy and Tom Waits helped judge. Wow. Um, let's see. We did a bunch of cool shit. Um, and we got signed to Hellfy Records in early 2019, put out our first album, The Cruel Fate of Destiny on Hellfy Records December 7th, 2019. And then we played a few shows out of Michigan. We opened up for Green Jelly at The Ruin in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Came back home. Uh, we're planning out a few more stuff, Michigan Metal Fest. And then COVID happened. Everything got shut down, canceled. So, and then our guitar player, um, his health, stuff like that started to slip so we're just giving him a break he's he's fine but we're, we're just giving it a rest and that's when i decided to film lilith start a punk band chemical valley mutants and that's where i met with that um we're writing we're kind of like a negative approach 
black flag, old school, hardcore punk, pissed off punk. And uh, we have our first show in Port Huron, July 1st, at the Schwank Soundstead with Mother Mantis and Dick Hickey. Um, we, uh, we're ready to push some boundaries. We're ready to bring back that old school pissed off punk that everyone forgot. Awesome. And, uh, probably release an album, record an album. Um, I'm also in, I play drums in a stoner doom band called the candle burners with Bruce Keith and Chris Stotler from no class assassins. Uh, well, Bruce Keith wasn't in no class. Bruce Keith was in the Billy Wolf band and a few Michigan, well-known Michigan bands. He's about, he's going to be 70 years old soon. So he's an old school blues guy wow. for sure. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's interesting because me and Chris started to get him into uh, the heavier shit. He was mostly a classic rock blues guy, but now he's like, oh, I love Goat Whore. I love I Hate God. Yeah. I love Whale of Grind and stuff like that. And it's funny because uh, a lot of his peers are like, what is what is going on? How is he into this? And we just, you know, we sit around and get high and listen to metal. And, you know, he's <laughs> he's big into it now. It's, it's interesting because we all live together too in the same house in St. Clair. So when I wake up in the morning and go down, go downstairs for some coffee, I can hear. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is interesting. Cause this is not how things were like a few short, four short years ago, you know? Um, but now he's like telling me all this stuff about these bands that I've, I've grown up to love. And it's funny, just, he's my own little personal updater. Now I don't even need to Google anything. Just go downstairs. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> but right it's on. interesting it's interesting hearing him try to play some of this stuff now because he's been a guitar player for a long time uh playing all these blues blues bands playing in bars and stuff um and now he's playing i think the gap the gap from his classic blues rock stuff to the metal was this band corrosion of conformity you ever heard of them no, I have not. No, they're they're kind of like a southern rock, but they're like amped up, kind of like a. They're, they definitely have some stoner doom qualities, but they're more like a, just a distorted, amped up, m adding metal to the blues, and uh, I think that bridged the gap for him to get into the the heavier shit. Mm -hmm. It's interesting hearing. Well, I'm sure like blues music, going from blues to metal, anyways, is probably like he's got a great set of skills from like improving and kind of just like you know doing some, all kinds of funky stuff you know on on the guitar and everything like that too so i'm sure like some of those skills goes hand to hand going into metal and just forming it in that lane but adding some really you know cr creative stuff to it you know yeah because he's got he's got that old school sense and he knows how to do certain things on the guitar that some guitar players nowadays just they, they look right by it or they, they gave up on it or never gave it a shot to learn how to play mm -hmm. it. And it's interesting because it's it's more like a Black Sabbath uh, meets Alice in Chains. Uh, and it has some punky vibes, too, but we're mostly like a psychedelic, trippy, stoner rock band. That's fun. Yeah. Um, your punk band that you said you're playing you got the first show coming up in uh was this june or july um july 1st july. chemical valley mutants yeah chemical valley uh mutants um are you vocals or you guitar what's your what's your position vocals, in that band? vocals. awesome yeah 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 that's fun uh 
Yeah, that's cool, man. I, I love I love hearing music stories, man. I work with a lot of musicians over the years, and I do a lot of music videos, and uh, just I, I really love the process. I love watching. I love listening, supporting, and everything like that. Especially uh, punk music is is a lot of fun too, and um, and I've I've been trying to dabble into more metal over the years as I get older and whatnot, and I, I find some I like and find some that are a little too much for me and whatnot, but. You know, I'm trying to find that balance there. But, yeah, it's always fascinating. So that's really cool and exciting. It sounds like you got a lot to look forward to. Oh, yeah, for sure. Thanks, man. Yeah, of course. You um, should listen to Gojira. Yeah, that's another one. I, I can't tell if I'm if I'm a big in, you know, big into them or not. I have to I have to give them another chance to try to really sit down and Oh, listen. yeah, listen to Stranded. It's a good yeah. one. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely uh, try to dive back into them a little bit. Sometimes uh, it just takes a song or two. Yeah, I found that, you know, there's been, there's, I've had those moments where it's like you hear one song, you're like, wow, that's, I, I can get into this. And you hear another mm-hmm. one, it's a little too intense for me, but. Uh, <laughs> right. I never got into the band Voivod uh-huh. until recently. They were too weird for me when I was younger. Sure. Um, or they didn't please that aesthetic I was looking for when I was a youngster. But as, as uh, an aging punkster, I've, uh, I've really loved and grown to love Voivod. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good definitely. Man. My music, my music horizons have expanded. It seems like just every year I'm finding more and more, I'm digging further back, you know, and finding just my genres are just expanding everywhere I go. And yeah, just, I, I and I'm always open to new, new music and trying to, you know, kind of, I, I like, I like creativity and music and all around. So it's always trying to, it's always exciting trying to find something new to listen to. I um, think you would really like, uh, all Cest. They're a, uh, a French black gaze band. Cool. They have okay. like black metal, black metal. Yeah. Yeah. But it goes into this, you know, real pretty stuff too. And then he'll scream, but he'll, he does it tastefully where it's not too much. And mm. it, it goes into this pretty landscape stuff. A L C E S T. Okay. Okay. Cool. I'll definitely give him a, I'll get, check him out then as well. So oh, yeah, the song Sapphire gold. Right on, right on. Yeah, it sounds like you got a lot to look forward to, man. Lilith sounds exciting. It sounds like you've got a really interesting and unique approach to that. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out of that. Um, obviously, your music that that's just fun, and you know I can't wait to see uh, what comes out of that as well. And the podcast, man, Lloyd Kaufman is your first guest returning back to the show. That's a great first interview. So a lot to look forward to. A lot of different avenues you're working on, and. And uh, I, I wish you the best on all of that and, and can't wait to see kind of what next, you, you know, how that progresses and, and where you go from there. Um, but to kind of wrap it all up here, uh, what are some things I always try to bring some value on the show to listeners, you know, whether they're a filmmaker or aspiring to be a filmmaker or creative in, in general. Um, I always try to bring value to them and, and, and just kind of ask my guests, you know, if you have any sort of perspective or experience uh that you can, or advice that you can pass on, uh, what would you like to share? Um, I would say take risks. Um, you always got to take risks. If you want to film with your phone and you're on a roof of your house and your actors on the ground, make that shot happen, you know, drop, drop your phone right on them. Tell them to catch it if he has to, and then watch that footage back. It might be cool. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> take chances. Yeah, that's uh, that's very simply put, man. I mean, honestly, like that can apply to anything and everything. You know, you can, t- you know, the smallest route from dropping your phone off the roof to 
The biggest is that was something you did. I feel like you did that. <laughs> Be like, watch your eyes. Right. <laughs> yeah, dude. So yeah, that's that's uh, very well very well said. I mean, I think in this kind of industry that we're in, if you don't take any kind of risk at all, you just keep making excuses or playing it too safe, where it's like you're not going to be able to push yourself to that limit or give yourself that edge to make you a little different from someone else. Cause you know, there's millions and millions of people creating things just like we are, you know, films or music and art, or whatever. So, you know, you have to kind of have your own signature, your own voice behind that and your own confidence behind that. And, you know, I think it's important to realize that not everything you do is going to succeed. There's going to be failures. There's going to be things oh, yeah. that you can't, you, that happens out of your control and, and things like that. And that's okay because once you learn from those failures, once you get past those, circumstances and you just keep pushing forward going to the next project that that eye on the prize you know mentality then you know slowly you start finding people really really like what you do and like want to know what you're up to next and things like that so definitely take that risk get involved go for it all that right and be open too with uh it's good to be open to anyone else's input that you're mm-hmm. working on a project. If you find a good group of people to work on stuff, it's good. I don't know. I would say your first thing you want to try to do, do it with a group of friends. And then in time, you'll be able to do it with people you don't know. And then they'll slowly become family. If you uh, are serious and nice about it, you're an asshole and, uh, you know, be respectful and, you know, if the whole treat others how you want to be treated thing goes for directors and musicians and everything in life, too. So, yeah, no, that's so true, man. You got to be good to people. You also got to be self-aware of things and yourself, your own capabilities and uh, and network, man. Network as much as you can and, and find the right circle, because that definitely does make a difference uh, on this. Yes, sir. Help you grow as a creator or even a human being sometimes. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, 100%. Totally agree. Uh, well, Jay, man, that all sounds great. I'm very excited. I will list uh, links in the description below for people to check out your work, your YouTube channel, um, the Troma Now stuff, like anything you want to send me, I'll put that in the links below. That way, uh, if you guys are listening and you want to check out Jay's films or uh, music or podcasts or anything like that, just stay up to date on what he's got coming up. Um, I definitely recommend. Sounds like you've got a lot of cool stuff on the way, man. So I really appreciate your time being on the show and talking all about it. Is there anything else I can uh, have you plug or promote or anything else? Well, I just have a link tree. The, sure. Uh, it's there. It's weird because you can't. You technically you can't just say link tree. You have <laughs> to say l i n k t r dot e e slash j yeah underscore yeah. crimson. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we can put that link tree link obviously under here as well. That way, if it's if you got everything under that, people can just click that and go find everything all at once as well. So. Right, and I have a GoFundMe too um, that I'm doing right now, just for 500 bucks, just to get the rest wrapped up because I ran into some fund issues with my car and shit like that. You know, just yeah. life bullshit. Of course. So, you know, 500 bucks would help me do some promos for this movie and get ready for the conventions and film festivals and stuff like that. So sure. yeah, if people want to help me out with that. Awesome. Cool. All right. That sounds great. Yeah. All that will be here, guys. If you want to check out, help, uh, check out Jay's work, help him out, support indie film, support music, support everything else in between. Uh, we appreciate your time being on the show today. And with that said, we'll see you guys next time.